a lot of our relationships are strained. It's like, you know, we're 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 driving on the emergency brake. You know, there's you're going forward, but you're not going anywhere near as fast as you could be going or even should be going. Um, just like the car, you know, when we're driving, there's a speed limit. You know, uh, we're supposed to be going at or at least five below that speed limit. And if you're going too slow, you know, that can be wrong. If you're going too fast, that can be wrong. But a lot of us in our relationships, we're riding on the speed brake. Um, It's just strained. It's It's a strained thing. Instead of like being free to love each other in holiness, it's like we're just tolerating each other. We're putting up with each other. Um, And it's hard, you know, it's hard because, you know, it's like, well, how do we have genuine fellowship, genuine love, genuine bonding, genuine um, familial ties with each other? How do we have genuine, sincere real relationships with each other where we're just completely honest. We feel completely um, free to free of fear of, you know, free of suspicions, free of all this questioning and doubting and suspicions and, you know, bad thoughts about each other. How do we do that? You know, and, you know, some might say, well, how we do that is by letting folks do what they want to do. You know, you have one end of the spectrum, you have one and one one extreme that says, well, if you want people to be able to get along, uh, just let them do what they want. You know, if you let people do what they want to do, then they won't feel any type of uh, hindrance or any type of you know, restraint, you know, they'll, they'll just, they'll be free. There's, there's liberality. You know, we can't go down that end because the Lord gives us restraints. The Lord tells us that there are certain things we simply cannot do. Um, and actually that's the philosophy of the church of Satan. They actually have what they call radical inclusion, radical inclusion, where they just, they take anybody as they are, because that's how Satan is. Satan just welcomes anybody, um, while not changing them. Jesus, our Lord, welcomes everybody, but you have to change, and he's going to bring that change. He accepts you as you are, where you are, but will not leave you as you are and where you are. Satan will accept you as you are and leave you just as you are, because his his agenda is, is, is not you. It's to get back at God, so we're just, people are just pawns in that regard, but you have one end. You have one end of people who say, well, you know, just accept people as they are. Let people do what they want to do. Let people be whoever it is they want to be. Go where they want to go. Do what they want to do. Hey, and then you'll have peace. You know, um, I heard uh, one couple who was married for like 40-something years. And uh, and they said, you know, for a very long time. And, you know, said the, the key to our marriage is I just let him do what he wants. And he just lets me do whatever I want. But is that true relationship? No, that's not. Is that a true marriage? No, it's not. Um, and for a church, 
is that what a true church looks like? Just a bunch of people doing whatever it is that they want. Um, and then you have the other end of the spectrum where, uh, you know, how do you, how do you, you know, um, bond with each other? How do you have relationships with each other? You know, people can go to the, to the other extreme and they say, well, you know, you can't do anything. You can't even, you know, going outside, going for nature walks and enjoying the beauty of God's creation. Well, that's, that's too much either. It should just be nothing but, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, studying the, of, of the, of the Bible, studying the law. Um, that's another extreme, you know, some of the, um, you know, some of the uh, Orthodox community, Orthodox Jewish community kind of fall into that. You know, there's nothing wrong with studying the scriptures and the Bible says you're supposed to meditate on it day and night. But the Bible also says that you're supposed to be, you know, again, uh, in, you, you have to work a job, you have to take care of a family. You know, there are things that are involved in that, enjoying the beauty of God's creation. The Bible says all things that the Lord made are for our enjoyment. So you don't want to go to those to either extreme. But what does the Bible say about how can we how can we have fellowship with each other? This is the thing that we're craving the most. And there are so many counterfeits out there um, that try to fill that void when we don't have that fellowship that we're craving. You know, when people don't feel loved, people don't feel um, people don't feel affirmed the right way. You know, they try to turn to different sororities and fraternities. Um, some people have an over-dependence upon their family. Some people have an over-dependence. Like I said, they'll join a fraternity, sorority. They'll join the Freemasons. They'll join whatever. They go about it the wrong way. Uh, some husbands, because they're estranged, they have a strained relationship with their wife, they'll have an over-dependence on their friends instead of trying to reconcile with their wife. Or the wife, she has a strained relationship with her husband, so she'll try to over-bond over with her son or daughter or children. They'll try to over-bond with them instead of trying to bond with their husbands. You know, or they'll over-bond with their family instead of over-bonding with their husband. And so you have just strained relationships you know, where instead of dealing with the main issue, we try to compensate by overbonding with other people. Or in the church, like I said, we don't bond with each other. We just tolerate one another. We'll just put up with each other. So we overbond with people in the world, people who are not saved, people who are not born again trying to live holy. So we have to look at how does God prescribe for us to have fellowship with one another. How are we supposed to have true, unfettered, holy relationships with one another? And what are the root causes of the things that destroy that fellowship with, with each other? How do we do it? How do we do it? How do we do it? How do we bond with each other? How do we cut through? How do we break through? How do we melt the hardened heart? How do we do that to where we can stop the strained relationships that we have with each other? Um, I'm, I'm a big believer that, you know, 
I don't care what kind of position you have, if you're a preacher or if you're a you know, singer or a missionary or whatever you want to be, whatever God calls you to be, if you don't have love, if you don't have loving relationships, if you can't love somebody without hypocrisy, um, you, you don't have anything because the Bible says love is the greatest. And so you can have all the material things in the world and lose your soul. And you can, you can do, do all these wonderful things, perform miracles, speak in tongues, prophesy, preach, sing, do whatever. You can do all these things. But the greatest thing is love. And um, so how do we do that? I'm going to get to it. I'm sorry for belaboring the point, but it's just been weighing heavy on me because there's just so much dysfunction in the world. I talk to people all the time, you know, they're just, you know, just these strained relationships. One woman just came to me just the other night when I was working, one of my coworkers, telling me that her mom wants nothing to do with her now, you know, uh, and was crying over that, you know. Uh, husbands stepping out on their wives, wives stepping out on their husbands, you know, husbands mistreating their wives, wives disobeying and disrespecting their husbands. You know, you know, we're, 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 we're in this age where, where, where there's just no respect for authority, no order. You know, people, the relationships that we have with one another are just utilitarian, just using people. What can I get out of you? You know, it's like, I don't want you, I just, I want to use you um, to get what I want. I want to use you. I want to use what you have to get what I want. And and we just don't have genuine, holy, Christ-like relationships um, that we're supposed to be having where people can just come and be honest and, and then know that you're going to get a response that's going to tell you to stop sinning if, if that's the case. But But just that openness and that sense of freedom um, to give and receive the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in 1 John chapter 8, look in your Bible to 1 John and chapter 8. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. Sorry about that. 1 John chapter 1. Uh, actually, let's start at verse 6. I'm sorry. 1 John chapter 1 in verse 6. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 6. John says this, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So that's the sign. First of all, if I say I know the Lord, but I'm practicing, I'm walking in darkness, I'm a liar. So you can't, so we cannot be deceived by these people on TV and in, on, uh, in music and in culture who sit up here and live antichrist lives, walk in darkness, try to merge with the world, merge the sacred and the profane. They're up there singing with these godless artists in these godless movies, producing godless works, you know, Tyler Perry and other people producing these godless works and then say, you know, the Lord stand up in Joel Osteen's pulpit and preach. You can't say you can't do that and say that, you know, the Lord. And I'm not saying, you know, we're, we're perfect. But the bottom line is, is that you cannot merge the sacred with the profane. It's just not you just can't do it. Christians don't curse. Christians don't watch filthy things with killing, cussing and sex in it. They just don't. Christians don't do that. If you're a, if you're a Christian, you're a little Christ, period. And Christ wouldn't do those things. 
So he says, if we have fellowship with him, that's where it begins. Fellowship with him. While we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, what do we have? We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Did you hear that? If we walk in the light, just as he is in the light, we have fellowship with each other. You see? And the blood of Jesus does what? It cleanses us from all sin. So what is the light? Jesus is the light and the light that he preached in him was the light and that life, the Bible says in John chapter one in him. Let's look at that real quick. What is the light? What is the light? What is the light that he's that first John is talking about? And it's fascinating because he tells us what that light is in John chapter one. What is the that light. John chapter 1, verse 4. John chapter 1, verse 4. Keep your finger in 1 John, but turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1, verse 4. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. What is the light that we're supposed to be walking in? He says, if we walk in the light, 1 John 1 and uh, 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light. And then John 1, 4, in him was the life and the life was the light of men. The life of the Lord Jesus Christ is our light. The life of the Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua the Messiah, is our light. That is the light that we are to walk in. And in 1 John, he says, if we walk in that light, if we walk in that light, if we're imitating if we're striving to imitate, if we're pressing on to perfection in Christ Jesus, if we're striving to imitate that life, if we're copying what Jesus did, living his life, speaking the way he spoke, thinking the way he, uh, thinking the way he thought, acting the way that he acted, humbling ourselves the way he humbled himself, being obedient to the Father just as he was obedient. If we look at women the way that he did, if we look at men the way that he did, if we spend our money the way that he did, if every area of our life we are striving to conform to the life of Jesus, which is the light, then what happens? We have fellowship with each other. You see, that is the true bond. You know, folks will try to bond over anything. You know, well, I'm black and you're black, so we have a bond. Or I like sports, I like football, you like football too. 
and I like basketball, you like basketball too, so that, that means that we can hang out. Or we're a part of some biking club together, or we're a part of uh, the same, uh, we work together, so we form a bond over work. But those aren't, those bonds don't last because the bottom line is that if you don't have Jesus, ultimately what's going to happen is, is that you're going to go in one direction and that person's going to go in another direction. If there's a part, if there's something of the world that we're trying to hold on to, it's going to pull us apart because the people who want, who are in the church, but still want the world, they're going to go in one direction. And the people who want to follow Jesus wholeheartedly are going to go in another direction. And so you're going to pull apart the same thing in a, in a, in a marriage, in a marriage. If the husband wants to follow Jesus wholeheartedly and the wife still wants some, something of the world, you're going to pull apart. And that's going to cause the strain. If the wife wants the Lord wholeheartedly to follow him, to seek after him, to, you know, they, they, they love the Lord. They want to serve him with all their heart. But the husband wants some of the world. He still wants the club. He still wants to, to be drinking and partying while attending church now. He still wants to be, you know, out playing the game and chasing women. You know, he still wants that to hang with the boys and hang with the fellows. He still wants that life. Then what's going to happen is, is that the marriage is going to pull apart. Children, the same thing. Uh, the parents taught their child to go one way, to follow the Lord with all their heart, to seek after him, to be praying day and night, be in his word, be in church, be in the fellowship of the saints, study, be humble, be holy, be godly. But the child goes in a different direction. What happens? The parental relationship, or he comes back home with a man. You got a son who comes back home wanting to marry a man, or you know, a daughter who wants to come back home marrying a woman, and the parents are following the Lord. That's going to strain the relationship and even break it in most case, in many cases. You see, the thing that either divides or unites the whole world is Jesus. It's not about um, whether it's this political party or that political party, this country, that country, this war, that war, this thing, that thing. At the end of the day, the whole world divides over whether we're going to follow Jesus or not, whether we're going to find him, follow him wholeheartedly or not. And it's and there's no in between. Well, some people say, well, I like to hold on to this. I, I like holding on to this vice. I don't see anything wrong with hanging on to this or that vice or to hold on to this or that sin. You know, this little bit of cussing or this movie, this little LGBT advocacy or this little show or this little piece of music and whatever. That's not going to hurt anybody. Ultimately, all that is doing is pulling you away from Jesus and putting you in the camp of the world. And this is what the Bible says in James 4.4. 4. He says, you adulterers and adulteresses. What is an adulterer? An adulterer is somebody who cheats on his wife. An adulteress is somebody who cheats on their husband. So James 4.4 4 says, and our husband is supposed to be Jesus. He says, you adulterers and you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world, any kind of friendship with the world, is hatred towards God? He who is a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So you see, there is no middle ground when we, we either are with, even Jesus made that point. He says, if he who is not with me is against me, 
There is no middle ground. Well, I think Jesus is a good person. I think his teachings are right. I like going to church. I like reading the Bible. But you're not with him. You see, being with him is something different than being around him. It's like the woman with the issue of blood. When, when the woman with the issue of blood came to Jesus, what happened? You had a whole crowd of people. You had a whole crowd of people all around Jesus, all around him, following him. But the woman with the issue of blood reached out and touched him. And Jesus said, who touched me? Who touched me? And, 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 the, and the disciples couldn't make sense of it. They were like, well, Lord, you know, the, you see the crowds all around you. He said, uh-uh, no, no, no. Somebody touched me. You see, and there's a difference between the people who are around Jesus, who surround Jesus. They go to church. They do Christian activity. They do, you know, they might even be in the pulpit. They're doing Christian activities and, and, they're, and they're at every, you know, every little event, every Bible study, every choir practice, every whatever, whatever, all the Christian trappings, but they're not touching Jesus. They're not with Jesus. The woman who was with the, had the issue of blood touched Jesus touched him and let him make changes in her life. She had an issue of blood. She had gone to everybody else and nobody could help her. She went to Jesus and allow and touching him with faith, believing in him, touched him to let him make the changes in her life. And that's what most of us are not doing. We're not touching Jesus so he can change us and heal us of our sin. We're like the crowd. We like to be around Jesus because he can give us things. He can do things for us. He can rain down manna from heaven. He can heal the sick and raise the dead. We can get something from Jesus. But what most of us are not doing is we're not touching him so he can make changes in us. You see, and that is the difference between being with Jesus and not being with Jesus. If Jesus cannot make changes in your life, you don't belong to him. You're not with him because Jesus has called us to allow us to change, to be changed into his image. That's what a disciple is. A disciple is somebody who allows their teacher to change their entire way of living into the teacher's way of living. You see, it's completely different than the notions that we have about discipleship today. Oh, well, you know, I, you know, our notion of discipleship is just somebody who reads the Bible or who attends church or somebody who just says that they're a Christian. Well, I'm a disciple. No, no, no. There's a difference between the two. A true disciple of Jesus is someone who actively changes their entire way of life to match the life of their teacher. That's the historic definition of disciple. Even before Jesus came into the world, those rabbis, those Jewish rabbis and those Jewish teachers, what they would do is, is that they would get a crowd of, they would have disciples, people who would follow them around. They would follow them. The disciples would literally live with their teacher learn every mannerism, all their mannerisms, all their, their way of speaking, their way of thinking, and they would completely digest that and become just like their teacher. And that's precisely what Jesus has called for us to do. Jesus has called for us to allow him 
to transform us into his image so we can be reconciled to God and reconciled to each other. Because he says, 1 John 1 and 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then and then alone we have fellowship with one another. You don't have fellowship any other way. You see, if you have, because why? Because as I said before, one person is going in one direction and another is in some, and, and, and the brother or the sister is going in another. The Bible says, how can two walk together unless they agree? How can you go with somebody unless you agree? How can you be in fellowship unless you agree? You must agree. You can't go with somebody. It's why the, even Jesus said this, a house divided against itself cannot stand. It can't stand. If the husband is pitted against his wife, the wife is pitted against the husband, the children are pitted against the parents. If the, if the members of a body or a congregation are pitted against the leadership of that congregation, there is no way that you're going to have peace. There's no way you're going to have fellowship. Now, I'll tell you what you could have, and this is what most of us have. Most of us have a false peace. You see, if, if, if one person, if, say for example, if a husband capitulates to his wife in everything, doesn't challenge her, doesn't stand up, doesn't correct, doesn't rebuke, doesn't lead, doesn't do anything, and the wife is demanding her way, demanding, demanding, demanding that things be done a certain way. And the husband is saying no, because the Bible says it shouldn't be done this way, blah, blah, blah. And he submits, then there might be peace. But there's no fellowship. In the same way, if, if, the, if, if, the, if the husband is demanding things that are not holy, not godly, and the, and, and the wife is not saying anything, she's not... You know, not reject. No, she's capitulating. What happens? There might be peace, but there's no fellowship in a congregation. You know, the, the leadership, you have issues with the leadership, issues with the way the church is going. There's all you, you feel like you don't like the pastor. You don't like the teaching. You don't like the instruction. You don't like the correction, the rebuke, but you're keeping your mouth shut and you're not saying anything. There might be peace, but there's no fellowship. You see, and then what are you doing? You're going behind. You see, when you're in a situation where there's that kind of peace, quote unquote, but no fellowship, what you often end up doing is you end up venting to somebody else. You find somebody who will, uh, who will, get, who will listen to you, who will listen to lies and listen to gossip. You know, they'll listen to slander of, of somebody else. <clears throat> You'll go to them and, and air all your grievances, air all your problems. So while you're, 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 so you start waging a proxy war, you start getting people, other people on your side to start actively going against you. You see, you start poisoning the water, start poisoning the relationship because you don't have fellowship. You see, when you have true fellowship, all division and conflict stops because you agree on the same thing. Hey, we're going to do it Jesus's way, period. And no matter what it costs me, no matter how it feels, no matter how it feels, no matter how painful it is, we are going to do it Jesus's way and we're going to suffer together. 
whatever we whatever we've got to give up, whatever we've got to let go, whatever painful things we have to experience, we're going to experience these things together because we both agree that we're going to do it Jesus's way. So there's no division. There's no division. No matter what the situation is, a fellowship, a marriage, um, parents and children will be completely united because you're agreed on the same thing to walk in the light, which is the life of Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus did it this way. Okay, so we're going to do it the way Jesus did it. Well, Jesus handled this situation that way. Oh, perfect. Okay, we're going to do it that way. We're all agreed. Jesus said, separate from the world. Okay, so we're going to separate from the world. We're going to separate together. Oh, that, what does that mean? It means we've got to give up some things. Okay, we're going to give up those things together because, that, because we're both agreed on Jesus. And this is just something that we're, we're, we are, where we're having difficulty because when we hear a hard word, when we hear a, a, a something that requires some type of change, some type of a, a, a painful change, something we've been doing for a long, long time. And then here comes Jesus saying, you know what? You got to give that up. Then that's how we split. That's how we divide. So our relationships are strained because we have a difference of appreciation, a difference of belief, a difference of acceptance of Jesus as the be all end all of everything. And that's where the whole world divides. That's where all of our relationships divide. Search your, search your heart on this. Search your relationships and see if every single situation where you broke up with a friend or broke up with a, uh, if, where there was some type of disagreement in the church or some type of disagreement in your marriage, that, you know, or we know people who you know, had marriages and, and, it, and it didn't, they didn't make it, they divorced. Just, just tr- trace the dots and see. It always goes back to Jesus. Even with heathen, it goes back to Jesus. Simply because neither one of you decided to follow Jesus. Hence, you divided. So every single relationship that we have, even our relationship with the Father, even with the relationship with our Holy Father in heaven, our relationship strains and splits with him. Why? because of our unwillingness to yield and submit and to walk in the light of Jesus. He says, our iniquities have separated ourselves from him. Isaiah 59, our iniquities, our sins have hidden his face, caused his face to be hidden from us. And that is the unchrist likeness that is the unchristlikeness, the refusal to submit to our Lord Jesus. And, and, it, and, and this is why Paul says in, in Romans in chapter Romans in chapter 12, he says this. Romans in chapter 12 verse. Let me just quote it for you. Do not be slow, but so rejoice. Live in harmony, never be wise, behold, never avenge yourselves. Brother affection. Oh yeah, here we go. Thank you, Lord. Romans chapter 12 and verse 9. He says, let love be genuine. 
in some verses, it's let love be sincere. Abhor what is evil. That means hate what is evil. He says, hold fast to what is good. Abhor what is evil. How do I have a genuine love that brings fellowship? How can we have that genuine love that brings fellowship in Jesus Christ by walking in that by walking in the light of his life? He says, first of all, you've got to let your love be genuine. Hate what is evil and hold fast to what is good. In other words, if I don't hate what is evil, there is no way that I can sincerely love anyone. There's no way I can say I love Jesus. There's no way I can say I love God or love the scriptures or love his people. There's no way for me to do that if there is some evil in my life that I'm holding on to. Now, there's a difference between holding on to something and fighting to let it go. Some of us, we have habits, habits that we've been we've held on to for years and years. Some of us, we have habits, we want to let them go, we want to get rid of them, we're crying, we're fasting, we're praying, we're seeking God, Lord, give me victory over this sin in my inner life. I will not give myself any rest until, Lord, I am free from this and am like Christ in this area of my life. Lord, I want to stop gossiping, I want to stop the cussing, I want to stop lying, Lord, I want to stop these filthy dreams and filthy thoughts. Lord, I want to stop looking at, at, at men with lust. I want to stop looking at women lustfully, Lord. I am determined to get victory over this thing. I want to stop watching the TV, stop watching these godless shows that don't bring me closer. I, Lord, I'm trying to get rid of it. Father, help me, help me, help me. Now, there's a difference between that attitude and the attitude that defends the sin and tries to find a reason for why it's okay to do those things. You see, that's the, the first one, that's love for God. The second one, that's not love for God. That's not, that's not pursuing fellowship. When the Lord shows you that there's somebody you haven't forgiven. See, this is walking in the light as, as Jesus is in the light. The Lord Jesus tells you, if you don't forgive your brother or your sister from the heart, you won't be forgiven and you're going to hell because there's no unforgiving people in heaven, period. The Lord tells you, for, Lord brings this brother or this sister to your, to your mind who hurt you, who said an unkind thing to you or did an unholy thing to you. The Lord brings this person to your mind and says, now you need to go forgive that person. Just this is walking in the light of life of Jesus. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Forgive them as they were crucifying him. He said, Father, forgive them. This is the light of life, which is Jesus. So Jesus brings somebody to your attention. And you say, Lord, I'm trying Lord, forgive me, Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm working at it. Give me grace to forgive this person who did this horrible thing to me because honestly, I want revenge on them. Honestly, I want them dead. I want to do something harmful to them just like they did something harmful to me. That's, that's seeking fellowship with the Lord. That's seeking reconciliation with that person. You're trying, you're fighting until the day comes and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're able to just completely forgive that's seeking fellowship with that person. But when the Holy Spirit brings somebody to your mind and you say, I'm not, I'm not, or, and the Lord sends somebody to you and tells you to forgive that brother or sister. And you're like, oh, oh, nope, I'll never forgive. I'll never forgive. I won't forgive them. I, uh -uh, I can't forgive. 
Uh-uh, nope, nope, nope. And you bring it up every chance you get. You're always feeling slighted. You're looking for offenses. You're looking for, you know, an opportunity to get angry. You're looking for it. You're not seeking fellowship. You're not walking in the light of life. You're not walking in the light of Jesus. You see, that's not fellowship. When you maintain grudges with people, when you maintain offenses, when you keep a record of wrongs, you keep a catalog in your brain of all the wrongs that somebody's done. You can't have fellowship with God and you certainly can't have fellowship with, 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 um, with your fellow man, with your brother or sister. And this is where Adam and Eve went wrong. In the beginning, when God gave them a command, this is the word of God. God gave them a command, do not eat from the fruit. They did it anyway. And what happened? They first separated from God and then they separated from each other. You see? You see how that works? God told them, don't eat from the fruit. They did it. So first thing, they disconnected from God. Then when God confronted them both about what they both did, especially Adam not leading, What's the first thing he did? He blamed his wife. He threw his wife under the bus. He said, oh, you know, it's this woman that you gave me. You know, if you hadn't given her to me, um, this wouldn't have happened. He threw his wife wide right under the bus. So they and then what did she do? She blamed the devil and said, oh, the snake, the serpent made me do it. He, he did it. So you see. They separated from each other. And that's the cause of all of our division. Once we separate from God, we separate from each other because it's the Lord that is the glue that holds us together. The glue, the bond, the Bible says we were baptized by one spirit into one body, not one church organization. Not one Christian activity, not one, we're not baptized, we're not baptized into a, a company or into a, a sports, a, a, you know, a sports team or, a, you know, a, a, a particular hobby that we like or, you know, this activity, this particular thing. No, that's not the bond. The bond doesn't come from common interests. <clears throat> the bond comes from fellowship. <clears throat> Excuse me. Excuse me, y'all. The bond comes from fellowship being baptized into the, by the Spirit comes from the Spirit of Jesus bonding us together. The bond is the Spirit of Jesus Christ. He is the bond that brings us together. So if we don't have Him, what happens? We break apart from each other. And this is the lesson that we must understand. Why are our relationships so strained? It's because we have strained relationships with God. If we were to submit and surrender, give up, give in, give over, yield ourselves to the Lord Jesus, all of us, and to the life that he lived, we would have absolutely no problems with each other. We would be in complete harmony with each other. We would have a perfect bond with one another. All of us would. It would be heaven on earth because all of us, imagine if I'm pursuing Jesus and you're pursuing Jesus too, no matter what it costs, how are we going to treat each other just like Jesus would? 
Jesus is the glue. He is the glue. He is the bond that binds us together. You, you have people, this is why you have folks who can be married for 30 years, 30 and 40 years divorce each other. You have people who've been together, working together, companies split up, partners split up, people, best friends who've been friends for years split up. Why? Because it wasn't, the relationship was not based on Jesus. It was based on some other kind of common interest besides Jesus Christ. For some, it's, it's attraction. Oh, this person looked good. We look good to each other. Oh, so you had a common interest in how each other looked. But oh, once you stop looking that way, well, we go our own separate ways. You see, brothers and sisters, this is why I preach so hard and so firm and why the men of the leadership, we preach so hard and so firm against sin and against wrong. It's not because we're trying to be evil or because we're trying to do harm to anybody. It's not because of that at all. It's because we really, 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 really want love in the church. We really want us to love one another. We really want our marriages to be happy, happy marriages, joyful marriages, where you look forward to coming home to your husband. You look forward to coming home to your wife. You look forward to coming home and seeing your children. You look forward to coming to church. It's not a burden to hear the word. You look forward to it. You look forward to being with the saints because you have a common, the, the common common denominator, which is Jesus Christ. You have the common bond of holiness, the common bond of the spirit. And so you're going in the same direction without strain. See, when you're going in the same direction, people can make mistakes and it not be the end of the world. Why? Because you're like, you're like a trending, like a trending arrow. You're going down, but up, 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 up. You're trending upward. You're always going upward. You might stumble, you might fall, but you get back up. You're trending upward. You're going in an upward direction towards Jesus. And going up a mountain, there might be some times where your foot slips and you catch yourself. There might be times as you're, go as you're going up, on your way up the mountain towards Jesus, you might trip, you might fall. Your brother might trip, you might fall on the rocks and you grab his hand and say, come on, keep on going. We're almost there. Hang in there in the name of Jesus. Hang in there. We're going up towards Jesus together. Hold on. Hold on. We're going up towards Jesus. We're not going backward. You see, you don't, you don't stumble, fall, catch yourself and then say, oh, you know what? Well, this was a bad idea. I'm not, you know, I'm, I made a mistake even... I made a mistake even climbing this thing. I'm turning around. I'm going, I'm going backwards. See, that's when the fellowship ends. You see, when, when one person's going up the mountain towards Jesus and the other says, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I, don't, I don't want this journey anymore. I don't want this journey. I, or I'm going back down. That's, see, that's when the fellowship is over. Or when one brother wants to keep going further and further and further, one sister wants to keep going further and further as until dying, trying to get to the top of the mountain where Jesus is, the mountain of Christ's likeness and holiness. She's, she's going to see, I'm, I'm going to die trying to get to this mountain. And then you've got her sister saying, well, I'm content right here. I, I don't want to go any further. So she's left behind. She's left behind right where she is while the other sister is going for the fellowship ends. 
You see, we can only have fellowship if we all agree that we're going to go all the way with the Lord Jesus, all the way to the top together, hand in hand, arm in arm together, tripping, stumbling, walking, running, climbing together, going in the same direction. And that's, that's how we have fellowship with one another. And that's how we can bond with one another in truth. And, and, not, and not because, you know, we're part of the same denomination or because we're part of the same, you know, church group or because we're part of this, have the same doctrinal beliefs. That's, that's, not, that's not the true bond. The, Jesus says, in him, First John says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And what is that light? John told us in John chapter one, in him was the life. That's Jesus. In him, Jesus is the life. And that life he lived, that's the light of man. That is the life that we pursue. So we need each other, brothers and sisters. I, I keep saying that over and over again. I don't feel like I'm breaking through. I don't, I, don't, I don't think we realize how important it is for us to do this thing together. You know, we were never meant to do this Christian life individually. It was never meant to be an individual thing ever. We have to make individual choices. Sure, we do. We have to make an individual choice to follow, to, to choose Jesus. But this walk... This entire journey was always meant to be done together. It was never meant to be done uh, on our own. And even Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians in chapter 12. Um, and 1 Corinthians chapter yeah, 11 and 12. He was talking about that, how we are a body. And he talks about us feeling for each other, having the same feelings. If someone was hurt, if I stub my toe, the brother or sister who is who is the who's the feet of the church, who gets the church going and doing the if they're hurt, the whole body's hurt. If I do if I hurt my hand, the whole body feels the pain. I cry over the foot just like I cry over the mouth, the mouthpiece, the pastor, the preacher, the leader. I cry over the foot, I cry over the finger, I cry over the ear, I cry over every part of the body that's hurt. And no matter from what position they're in, whatever, whatever gift or calling God gives them, whoever they are, if they're striving for holiness, if they submitted to Jesus, they are a part, a part of the body. And we are to submit. We are to cry with them. We are to rejoice with them. We are to celebrate with them when good things happen. We are to cry and mourn with them when, when things have gone ill for them because we're one. Whether we like it or not, we sink or swim together. We rise and we fall together. Now, if a brother or sister decides that they're going to stay back, if, if they decide that they're not going to follow Jesus, if they decide they're not going to go all the way, then that brother or sister has to keep going. They can't stop. But you know what? They're going to leave that group that wants to stay behind, that doesn't want to go further up the mountain of Christ likeness and holiness. They don't want to go up that mountain. And the Lord is going to give them another group of people who are going to go further with them where they're going. You see, God is always going to have somebody, some group of people to accompany you on the journey. 
There's always going to be somebody who the Lord is going to send your way, who's going to be going in the same direction as you. And they're going to help escort you. They're going to help go with you on this journey. And then if they decide to stop, you've gone further up the mountain, further up the mountain, further up. You've gone all the way, all the way. You're almost there. And then that brother says, you know what? I, I just, I can't go any further. I don't want to go any further. You're going to leave that person behind too. And you're going to keep going. And guess what? There's going to be somebody else who God's going to send your way because God is never going to leave you alone. God is always going to send somebody to help you always because the, the and, 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 and if, and if there is no person, if there's no person nearby or, or far away or whatever, then the Lord himself is going to be the person who is going to be right there with you, cheering you on. We're never alone. And so we have to stop this. We have to stop pulling apart. We've got to purge ourselves of, and, and I don't mean doctrinally, and I don't mean, uh, you know, pulling apart organizationally and whatever. I'm talking about pulling apart by having different interests instead of following the common denominator, which is the Lord Jesus. Instead of following the light of life, it's not about dividing over this political candidate or that political candidate or this party or that party or whatever, whatever. It's not about any of that. It's about following the light of life, which is Jesus, and accepting what he accepting, rejecting what he rejected. And we agree with everybody who follows that rule. They love what Jesus loves and hates what Jesus hates. They, they believe what Jesus believed and reject what Jesus didn't believe. We bond with anybody who's like that. Entirely submitted to Jesus and who, who, who loves what he loves and hates what he hates. Those are your brothers and sisters. Black, white, yellow, brown, whatever else. Those are your brothers and sisters. They might be Baptists. They might be Methodists. They might be this. They might be that. But if they love what Jesus loved and hate what Jesus hate, they fear God and hate evil. They want to get victory over sin in their inner life. They want to separate from the world and fear God and have the mind of Christ. That is your brother. That is your sister. So we have to seek for reality, brothers and sisters. We have to stop pretending we have to stop trying to find, we have to stop hypocriting and stop the counterfeit, this, these counterfeit relationships, these counterfeit bonds that we have, these things where we're, you know, underneath the surface, there's all this bitterness and all this resentment because you're going in a direction you don't want to go. You have to choose a side. That is, a part, that is our individual choice. We must choose a side. We're either going to bond with the Lord and follow the Lord and walk in the light of life or we're not. And we're going to follow the world. And, and don't you, you, we're going to watch the world's TV. We're going to watch the world's movies. We're going to hang out with the world and go to the world's places. We're either going to choose one or the other. Because if you don't choose, Jesus is going to choose for you. And I'm a, I want to I want to end with Revelation in chapter three. Revelation in chapter 3, Revelation chapter 3, Revelation chapter 3 and 14, Revelation chapter 13, Reve I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14. I, um, 
He says, and to the angel of the church of Laodicea, verse 14, he says, right, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. He says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. You don't belong to me, but you don't belong to the, you don't, you want to play both sides. You want some of the world. You want some of me too. You want to play the church thing. You want to come to church on Sunday, sing, you know, do the prayer, whatever, whatever. You want some of that, but then you want worldly things too. He says, I know, but, and I know you. And that's the thing. We're not, we're not fooling anybody here. That's the point. We're not tricking anybody. We're not tricking the Lord. You're not tricking him. You're not even tricking things. People know. People know. Even sinners know. First thing that they say, first thing they ask, uh, first thing they think about when somebody says, I'm a Christian, the first thing they think about immediately is how they live their life. And if they live like, and if they live worldly, like, you ain't no Christian, man. They know that. He says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. You want some of me, you want some of the world. He says, would that you were either cold or hot. God, Jesus says, I wish you would just be, just choose, be fully in the world or fully in me. Do you know that playing both sides is actually worse than being a stone cold heathen? You know that? Jesus, Jesus makes it plain right there. He says, I wish that you were either cold or hot. It's, it's, it would be better for you to be a stone cold heathen and know it and stop hypocriting. Stop trying to you be, just be out there in the world. Just be honest. I'm watching this, these filthy things on TV. I'm listening to these, this filthy music. I'm, I'm chasing women. I'm, do, I'm drinking. I'm doing whatever I want to do. It's better to be honest with yourself and then come to repentance where you're giving all that stuff up completely than it is to try to come into the church, pretend that you're following Jesus, trying to do all the quote unquote Christian things and Christian activities, but still be holding on to the world. Jesus says it's better just be stone cold, just be stone cold than that, than to do that. Or be hot. Be hot, be on fire for me, be on fire for me. It's better that you just be on fire for me and hate the world than to try and, 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 and serve me and seek me and love me and grow in me, Jesus is saying, than it is to try to act like you love me, but then you want some of the world's things too. He says, I wish you were either cold or hot. Pick one. He says, so because you're lukewarm, you're neither cold nor hot, you don't belong to me. He's like, you're, you know, you're trying to play like you belong to me, but then you're in the world too. I'm going to make a choice. And mind you now, this is speaking of people who say that they're saved and people who are saved. This is who he's talking about. Save folks who are out in the world, who want to be worldly. He says, so because, verse 16, so because you are lukewarm, Christian, saved person, and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, if, if something is being vomited out of you, it's in, it's in you. It's in you. So these people are in Christ. But because they want the world, they're undigested in the Lord. They don't want to go through the processing to be fully assimilated into the Lord. 
fully generalized, fully assimilated, fully blended in, fully submitted, fully yielded, fully belonging, fully owned by the Lord, because they don't want to be fully owned by the Lord, they're, they're like undigested food, just sitting there on the stomach, making the Lord sick. And so he's going to choose for you because you want some of you, you want some of him, but then you want the world too. And you're not making a clear, distinct choice. The Lord says, I'm going to make the choice for you. I'm going to vomit you out of my body. I'm going to vomit you out of the church. I'm going to vomit you out of fellowship with me. I'm going to vomit you out of your salvation. You're going to be dissaved. You're going to be disfellowshipped from me. And this is not what we want. We don't want that. We want to be fully all of us together. We want to be digested by the Lord. We want to be assimilated by into the Lord. We want to be conformed to the Lord, owned and, and surrendered entirely to the Lord. That's what we want. We want Colossians chapter three and verse Colossians in chapter three, verse one. This is what this is what we want to be. We want to be hidden. He says in Colossians chapter three, verse one, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's where you want. That's where we want to be. We want to be hidden in Jesus to where we're never found again. We, I want to be lost in Jesus. I want to be lost. We want to be lost in him. We, want to, we don't want our lives to be found. We don't want to be found. We want to be lost in him forever. Forever. All of us together, completely lost in him because that's where we're going to be found. We're only going to be found in him. We're only going to be found in him. We want our hit life hidden in Christ. We don't want to touch it. We don't want to go for it. We don't want to grab it. We want Jesus to have it. And we want him to hide it in ourselves, in himself. We want him to hide our life in himself. And we never want to take it back again. We want to say, Lord, we are yours. And we never, ever want to take our lives back from you. Never. And when all of us have that attitude, as he says, what happens? For, uh, Colossians chapter three, verse one, we are together seeking the things that are above. You can't fight with people if you're all going after the same thing, seeking the thing that's above. Your mind is on the things above, not on the earth, not about the politics, not about the game, not about the, the this or the that or the economy or whatever. Your mind's not on that. Your mind is on the thing that's above. And together, if, you have, if everybody's mind is on the things above, you're going to have complete harmony and unity. Because why? The Bible says Christ. Then you're going to have true peace when you have fellowship like that because you are agreed to pursue Jesus. You are agreed to pursue the holiness of Jesus. Then what happens? The peace of God will rule in your hearts. And that's verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you indeed, to which indeed you were called in one body. You see that? 
when you and I are together pursuing Jesus. That is our bond. And he says, what happens? Then peace comes. Then the peace of Christ can rule because the Prince of Peace is on the throne in in all of our hearts together. That's when we have the true peace because the Prince of Peace is on the throne in all of our hearts together. So let's pursue Christ Jesus. Let's stop playing games with God because at the end of the day, we're going to have to give an account for everything that we do in this life. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow, but we will be repaid for everything that we do. This thing is serious business. And we see the house burning down all around us. We see it's all we see it's ending. We see it's ending all around us. You see it's about over. We've got to stop messing around and unite around the one, the king of heaven, ruler supreme over all things. Yeshua, Jesus, the Christ, our Lord and our God. We must unite around him and we must submit to him and obey him so that all of us can be transformed into him and into into his likeness and then be brothers and sisters in truth and have peace in truth. And then our relationships will be so much, they'll be infinitely richer, we'll be infinitely happier, infinitely more joyful because Christ is on the throne. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your word. We praise you and we thank you, Lord. You are the Prince of Peace. We pray, Father, that we would pursue you above all else, that you would be our chief joy, that we would not be afraid of what you might do in our lives, Lord. May we stop being afraid of what you might do in our lives. If we surrender ourselves to you, Father, the changes that you might bring, the difficulties we might face, the friends we might lose. Lord, we pray that you would give us victory over that, the loss, give us victory over our fear of loss, our fear of rejection, our fear of being alone. Father, give us victory over these things because if we pursue you, If we pursue you above all else, we will never be alone because you will always send us someone. You will be with us and you will always send us people who will help us and strengthen us. You will always give us a Shadrach, a Meshach and Abednego. You will always give us a a Silas to our Paul or a Luke to our Paul. You'll always give us somebody. You'll always, we're never alone. There's always 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. There's always some remnant somewhere that you'll plug us into who will carry us further along the journey up the mountain of Christ-likeness in our inner life, Father. We want true fellowship. We don't want peace, false peace. We want true peace, a true peace that can only come from us fellowshipping with you. You are the bond that holds us together. Help us, God, we pray. Each one, help us, Lord. Help us all. God, help us all in this. We pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua the Messiah. Amen.